So, Andrew, you're in your car. I am in my car, yep. Ranch, where are you? You are... I mean, pretty much the best room you could you could imagine for recording audio. It's got uh, brick walls and um, polished concrete for the floors. So yeah, it's going to be pretty bad. Well, I'm in my I'm in my bedroom. It turns out that our place just doesn't have as many rooms as I thought. So <laughs> <laughs> I could, have, could have sworn there was forty rooms in this sucker. What's uh, it's the sort of thing you should work out before you buy a place, like whether it has enough rooms or not. And we thought it did, but it doesn't. So in the bedroom, I had this I had this same argument with Isabel. Got a ham room. It's now the ham room. I put egg cartons all over the wall and the floors. <laughs> we got to keep up your protein, Dave. So that's that's handy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you you argued with with Izzy about rooms as well, did you? Oh yeah, when we were buying our house, she's like, oh, we don't we don't need all. What do we? We're never going to have anyone in a dining room. And I'm like, trust me, it will just be a room that stuff goes in. So it's not in another room that we actually do use, and it's coming incredibly handy. Yeah, that room that room is necessary. We don't have that. We've got a garage, which is more than we got more garage than we need. Like it's a third of the whole house is garage. Okay, which is not good. Um, but we built. It's good if you're Jay Leno and you've got a significant luxury car collection. But I've got an electric car collection. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> including my, including my fucking Tamiya uh, Super Shot. <laughs> yeah, I just got a new battery for my Tamiya the other day because um, Nash was, uh, you know, sort of floating in interest. I'm like, rather than buy him a brand new one, I'll just fire up the old boy and uh, see how, old how it is goes. Nash still now? runs all right. Uh, he'll be eight soon. So, yeah, he's um, he, he saw someone playing with one at the park the other day. So he was like, "Oh God, my birthday's coming out. One of those would be good." Well, like, yeah, let's just do a trial run with a fifty-dollar battery. See if that uh, floats your boat. Because what's a Tamiya Super Shot? Oh come on, Ranch. Sorry, Ham. Um, it's, it's, it's a remote-controlled <laughs> car ranch. Yeah, Tamiya. It's oh. a famous brand. Famous brand of RC cars. And I never had one when I was a kid. I just oh, had yeah. like the like the Jet Hopper or the the cheapo Kmart version of it. Um, and there were always a couple of kids who had the, the fancy ones. Like they're, they're basically kit cars. You can buy parts for them and you know put them back together. Like I gave Olivia a turn on mine, which was really stupid because she was like three, and so she <laughs> instantly drove it into this thing made of glass and metal <laughs> and destroyed the front wheel assembly. So I had to. I don't know anything about real cars, let alone you know small cars. And I had to like buy parts and reassemble like wishbone suspension in this thing that's the size of, you know, it's like trying to build a ship in a bottle. It's very, it requires a lot of dexterity. And she's like, is it still going to work? And I'm like, nah, you fucking broke it. My brother and his mates got heavily into like, like really high end um, remote control. Felt like they went like 60 kilometers an hour or something like that. They were extremely fast and incredibly noisy, but, but pretty awesome. So there you go. Oh, that's so fuel. If they were noisy, they must be fuel powered. Look, I, I, that's my recollection. Like I've a remote control car ever in my life. Always wanted one. Also, slot cars didn't have any of those. Always wanted them. Yeah, I, I got some, and it's worth it. It's they're, they're good. They're, they're still good. The RC cars are good. Slot cars, I don't know. They're they're, they're pretty limited. It'd be like buying a jet ski instead well, of getting I know a full that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about jet skis later. I, look, slot cars take yeah, a lot we, of setting we can't up. Even, we can't even go there, Andrew. You know this. <laughs> jet skis are a separate podcast. 
<laughs> slot cars take a lot of setting up. I think the criteria for a good toy is like, is it fun for you to play with as well? Like obviously the kids enjoyment is, is the first criteria, obviously. But outside of that, it's like, other than price, it's like, is it easy to, you know, can you enjoy playing with it? Is it easy to set up? And slot cars, a bit of a pain in the ass to set up. And then with kids, the car flies off the fucking track every seven seconds. So you spend yep. all of your time putting it back on. So I, I bought this kick-ass German G-scale train set, which is like this awesome thing with brass tracks and all this. But turns out when a kid uses it, they just they just knock their carriages straight off every time. And then they can't yeah. put them back on. So it's just a shit thing for them to play with. Yeah, it's painful. But they, again, building an RC car is no picnic either. There's a lot of investment up front for then joy later on. But once you've got it up and going, it's fine. But yeah. still, kids kids using it requires a lot of dexterity, and they just ain't got it. No, no, they don't. The new ones have got sensors. I'm giggling on them. at how at how much of a waste of time that would be for me. I would <laughs> yeah. I would spend like eighteen hours trying to start building the thing. I'd get pissed off. I'd swear about it. Dash would cry, and the whole thing shouldn't go there. No, well, I bought one that was already constructed for the record. That. I did not build it. To oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, could, I didn't have time oh. or, or the skill to build that thing. That's yeah, well, I, I, when I, I bought mine 20 years ago, I had a bit more free time back then. Exactly. Try building one now. You, you get through six steps and then you got to deal with something and then it take you a year. Although I have got a lot of time at night that I, I tend to have pretty free from my hands while I'm watching, you know, Better Call Saul or, or whatever fucking ranchers told me to, to watch next. Or, or for sitting in your car in the dark doing a fucking Precisely. podcast. <laughs> Precisely. Is it like, is the car out in the open or is it, are you on the street? Recording a podcast that no one is going to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, um, no, no, I'm, I'm like in the carporty area underneath the, um, underneath the house. I saw a fox there once. Did I ever tell you that? I was, I was I, there. I, I saw a fox here tonight. <laughs> oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, um, Unloading the stuff from the car, we like just got here. It might have been like six o'clock, and um, I heard some rustling in the bushes. And I got the torch out, and there's a bloody fox in there. Shit! Well, yeah, I, I saw one there. Maybe it's the same one. Maybe it's been there this whole time. Well, my my mate my mate Dave lives uh, on a property out near sort of Pakenham, and he's had a lot of trouble with foxes because he's got chickens, um, and they've just been murdering his chickens. So he's, he's had to like borrow a gun from his neighbor and he's had to knock off a couple of foxes at night, <laughs> just sitting, sitting on his porch with a gun and a spotlight like Cletus from The Simpsons. And he's just been, you know, shooting foxes. It's real. This, this touches on something I want to talk about, two topics, kids and, and dead animals. So I, I lie, have I lied to my daughter for years about when, when animals die? Um, just because when they're really young, I just think it's the thing to do. I could be wrong, right? I'm not a child psychologist, but in the early days, I just don't want to go into that conversation that that thing's dead and it's never coming back. So it's, oh, you know, it's asleep and, and, and Adele will say, oh, you know, it's waiting for its mum to put it back in the, in the house or something. But so a few weeks ago, I show up at kindergarten with Olivia and this pigeon has just destroyed itself against the window. Like it's, it's just like the most undignified, horrific pigeon death you've ever seen. And like, you cannot pretend that that pigeon is coming back. Like it's so dead. And so it was this thing where I'm like, this, this habit of not talking to her about when things are really dead has come back to haunt me. Cause I can't, like, I can't 
say that that thing's coming back because it's in you know it's in pieces and it's been picked apart. And, I don't know. Do you, do you guys yeah, tell really your kids yourself, about yeah. stuff that's dead? Well, I, I'm yeah. I, we we have these birds in this tree out the front of our house that just chirp at all hours of the day, like three a.m. They'll they'll crank up again at seven a.m. You know, maybe five p.m. They'll give it another run. And so I'm pretty annoyed by them. The kids know that. And we went out the other day and one's clearly been run over by a truck. And it looks like, it looks like a disposable paper plate made out of feathers or something. It's so flat. <laughs> and, and the kids are like, nah, one, one of those naughty birds you hate is dead. Like, yeah, true. It's true. They're gone. It sure fucking is. Yeah, we're, we're at that point now, but, but it, would, it took us a while to get to that level of honesty. Yeah, you got to be careful because yeah. if they get attached, they get, they get upset. Yeah, well, if Boots is on this call, we could talk about I've, um, a I've got story a, on that. It's an all-timer. It's an all-timer. Yeah, we'll save that for if he shows up. What? What's the one? Hang on. Are you not – you can't you can't not know this story, Ranch, surely, about Boots Oh, hang on. I, like, no, I well, – Go on. <laughs> I, I, I might know it, but I just want to leave the other leave the other names out of it, Andrew. Just just it was it was a person who did this. It wasn't a person we'll identify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what? and boots in year yeah in year, when we were in year seven, he he found a pigeon on the way to school, and it had obviously either fallen out of a tree or hit something and was was injured, <laughs> uh, but still alive. And so he, he brought it to school and was was nursing it. And um, eventually, not long after he kind of got into school, it died. I don't know if it was in his arms. That might be embellishing a little bit too much. But either way, he decided to bury it in like the garden bed. So he buried it. And then this guy um, <laughs> at, at recess dug it up and put it on his desk uh, with a note saying, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Yeah, I do know that story. Yeah, look, it's a rough, it's oh, a rough way to deal oh. with the first, you know, pet you've ever buried. Probably, it's not good. But a lesson, in, a lesson in it's all that that guy was next level compared to where we were mostly at at the same age. Yeah, you got to bury it further yeah, away that's... from right outside the window. I think that's another lesson here. Yeah, you can't let you can't let what was a, you know a prototypical bully type guy. Watch you bury a small bird. You no. can't let him do it's that. It's going to give a person ideas. It's going to give them ideas. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yes. Well, we've had we've but had all sorts of animal uh... death, like small animal deaths to deal with. And oh man, like the other day we went to a beach. Like so a in... small, like a small moose. Yeah. Like you're dealing with small. <laughs> no, we, we, or we like a minky have... whale. A minky whale small. I have that in my head for some reason. Well, I, you know, I can I can buy you some minky whale down at the shop if you like, because that's that's the type I bet that they you kill. Could. Well, it, it's funny. Whale. So have you gotten yourself out of this situation, Dave, or like? The, yeah. Like, have you have you have you resolved the situation? Yeah, I think you know maybe I didn't give my kid enough credit, and she was easily able to handle the idea that something was dead and not coming back. And she asked like three questions, and I gave three answers, and she was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." So, yeah, I think. I was just being too protective and it was it was not actually worth the whole, you know, fuss that I've been going to. But but having said that, when a kid's one or something, then you've got to be careful how you talk about that stuff. And I do think things like, 
sort of putting a spin on it like oh you know it's just going to sleep and i think something like that is maybe a bad idea because if i was a kid i mean like does that mean if i go to sleep that i'm never coming like maybe you're going to give him a complex about sleeping or yeah oh, god yeah. knows but no no it was all it was all solved but we, we bought some freaking shells back from the beach um which it turns out they were sewerage contaminated because there was there's a toilet block so oslo has some beaches and they're sort oh, of come that's a half full yeah, outside of stuff. Someone like needs a, something up in there. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> no, basically a toilet a toilet block malfunctioned and just leaked sewerage down downwards towards the, the the sand and the water and everything. And we didn't know at the time. So we've picked up a bucket of shells and sand and and then we brought it home and it, it and fucking reeked. But it turns out all the all the shells she bought were full ones that had little sort of snails and sea anemones in them. So we forget about them and then we come back two days later and this bucket is just like a, a sort of bubbling apocalypse of little creatures and shit smells. Jesus. And, yeah, it was horrendous. <laughs> but no, the beaches yeah, so here are, you know, they're sort of, they're okay. It's it's hard not to get homesick when you go to these beaches because they're so small and there's just, you know, they're you know, European beaches that are like rocky and sort of yeah. like have sharps. You, you basically need to wear shoes if you're going to go into the water. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fatal flaw of Europe. Um, you know, the Mediterranean. Uh, yeah, just not, not enough sand. We were supposed to go to Spain this summer, so that was that was where we were supposed to be going in like a few weeks. But that's not oh, gonna no. happen. No, it's no. not. No. I'll tell you con con confession, those European beaches with, you know, the the you know, people on the banana lounges and people topless and ordering drinks and things. I, I find that so difficult a situation to get comfortable in. Which part like, of it? Like I've, every every item, every facet of it. I just find myself, it's just, it's like, almost like xenophobia. Like I feel so foreign, a component of that scenario. I just don't know how to fit in or do it right. So I just find myself avoiding it at all costs pretty much. Is it the fact that you, you have to, is it the structure that you have to pay for a bed and that there's like protocols yeah. or is it the fact that people are yeah, half there's naked a lot of or that. is it what? And, and, well, and the fact that everyone just seems to know what's going on, but there's no way to walk into that with, with having never seen it before and just, you know, functionally figure it out. Like it's not intuitive. It's just so bizarre and everyone's acting like everything's cool and they're dealing with the rocks in a way that, I don't know, you know, the, you know, they're doing in movies, which is not really real life, but somehow they're managing. It's just not right. Not right. Yeah, I've never gotten past the rock thing. But if you can get used to the mattress thing, it's actually very good. Like, Yeah, it's always just felt strange to me too. Like I think just, you know, particularly in Australia, there's so much freedom with the beach. Like there's no structure to it in many cases. There's, you know, there's no structure like like physical structure there let alone structure about how you go to the beach or what you use like you know when i grew up we would you know we were lucky enough to go to coffs harbour every year and there were just these beautiful beaches where you literally just drive your car onto the beach get out with the esky and your towel and just kind of spend all the day there so like turning up where there's like these like assigned places to go and stuff and like you know shops there and everything it's just it's always felt really strange to me i've never really it's never really been something i've wanted to kind of partake in and i wonder if it's that background in australia yeah, it, it's, it probably is it's and just like, foreign right it's just different but it and it is better to have the freedom of just like openness and you do it the way you want and too much too much sort of structure of a, and, and restriction on something like a beach is is kind of counter to what a beach should be but but there's certain scenarios where it's actually good. Like you go to a place 
and you want to, it's, it's a nice beach. You want to stay there all day. It's nice to have like basically a bed and have an umbrella that someone manages for you and someone who brings you a freaking gin and tonic if you feel like it. And if, if the sort of the spacing is, is okay and it's not so crowded and they do it nicely, it's actually bloody good because you can, you can stay longer. That's the thing. Cause you can eat there in a, in a sort of a different way and you can have more shade, which means that you're not going to get burned, which you can stay that longer. So I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, look, it, it certainly adds up that the amenities are better, so it would be a better experience. But you know, longer experience. Yeah, if you but then you go, all right, am I supposed to pay like per hour for this umbrella, or does it kind of come with the page? Should I mention it? Am I just going to get stung at the end? Do I have to tip these guys? Like it's all, it's it's layers of complexity that if you're not experienced in it. But then maybe, maybe people coming to Australia are like, where's all the stuff? This exactly. is just a block of sand, so you know they, they probably have a similar experience. Yeah, it's it's got to be done. It's got to be done right, and it, it does encourage. Like it, it's a slippery slope because a good kind of beach club is good, but then it you get to ones that are overcrowded. You get to ones where there are stupid rules. You get to one where you know it it it, it goes into something that's not good reasonably quickly, um, and it, it's the same at the like the resorts here. That it becomes this whole political thing about securing a space. So if you go on a family holiday here, like like to Spain, like we were going to go on, um, most of these resorts have these beautiful pools with with like sunbeds all around them. But people are so desperate to lie in the sun that like at seven a.m. before breakfast they'll go and like set up everything on a sunbed and then they'll just leave it. It's like the sort of the seat saving situation at the MCG on steroids. And so like that that bothers me. Like the 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 fact that there's sort of protocols and rules if you want to be able to get to the water yeah, yeah that happens everywhere and it's 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 bloody annoying I, I like a place that'll um you know monitor it and if, if someone is not there for like 45 minutes or something just take the towels away so everyone else can have a go yeah i mean yeah, steal their stuff that'll teach them <laughs> yeah that, that would work well but it's it's hard to find the balance right you don't want to build a resort that has a pool that's big enough for five thousand people when you're only going to have 500 people there you know you can't really do that either so it relies on some level of of people being grown-ups about it and you know what it's like people don't always act like grown-ups and then it, it goes out the window people are the worst so are you seeing any signs of life about the ability to travel anywhere else dave mm, a little bit um the the situation in denmark is pretty stable and in norway it's pretty stable so they've got like a a kind of like a bilateral you can travel between those two countries deal that's going to start up soon i think the same thing will happen with places like iceland so countries are starting to kind of do one-on-one you can travel here without doing quarantine deals uh, which is good it's not exactly sounding like your summer getaway though is it no and and look the places iceland and denmark (laughs) Iceland's good. I maintain that Iceland's a very good place, but maybe not for a summer holiday, but it's um it's interest, was, interesting watching, place. I was watching something the other day. They've got a young female prime minister. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So so does was, Finland. Really? Yeah. Um but so but that's obviously you have to fly to Iceland, but you can drive to a bunch of countries, right? So yes. Where there wouldn't normally be border checks. So have, have they put in place border checks on the roads? Some of them are stricter than others. So Norway actually has a border with Russia up in the north. So that's just straight up closed. Um, and, and that's just how it is. The one with Sweden is much stricter than it usually would be. 
Um, and then let me think about this. With Denmark, you actually have to go through Sweden to get to it. So it's not going to be as easy as it would normally be where you just drive straight through. Um, but we, we haven't done it. So I actually, I actually don't know. But Sweden is like the, the, the complicating factor because they took a different approach to this to almost every other country. Yes, they did. And they were just like, let's just yes, leave everything open. See what happens. You know, a lot of old people are going to die. And that's what happened. But they, they yeah. banked on, on a herd immunity that would come from doing it that way. Um, the jury's out on, I think it was the wrong thing to do, but I'm not an expert. But the, and, and a lot of old people did die. So their mortality rate was very high compared to everyone else's. And they've also just got a lot more cases. So we, well, they, it's awkward because um, they're right in the middle. And look, our holiday is nowhere near as important as the real issue of people being sick and people dying. But um, it's not like a uniform kind of response. So... They're, they're basically in worse shape than the countries around them, which means that you don't just have like this, okay, let's all just go see each other again because Sweden is not not really in step with the others right now. Yeah, well, the response leader or their you know, chief health advisor or whatever just two days ago kind of admitted in an interview, yeah, we probably made a pretty poor decision about this. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry to all those old people who got it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, like, yeah it, in hindsight, probably would have done something slightly differently, maybe in step with a lot of the other, you know, leading nations around the, the globe. So Yeah, just yeah. Keep, keep things, you know, shut, keep people away from each other. But, I mean, look, there's, there's maybe some thinking. And, um, yeah, we'll just try again. We'll do it again next time. But no, yeah. look, things, things are, like, domestically things are close to how they were. Um, there's a, you know, people here are pretty sensible and law-abiding folk, so they do what they're supposed to do. And look, socially, they, they like to keep their own space anyway, so it actually it doesn't feel that different to be standing a metre away from everybody. Um, so I think it, it's, it was definitely very hard with kids early on because there was just nowhere to go and nothing to do, and the weather wasn't that good. So you're sort of trying to entertain a one-year-old, but you've got nothing outside of the house and, and our one-year-old just desperately wants to be outside the house doing other stuff so that will help a lot once once that last level which is june 15 happens which is like cinemas um swimming pools i don't know like maybe sports complexes or things like that basically everything will be open um at that point um and i look I, I, bars have been open for a little bit but with with rules um and i've, I've been out once and it was it's actually pretty good. Like having a bit more space was, was nice. Having table service that they insist on doing, like it meant you got better service. Um, so I didn't, I didn't mind it, but it's a different ball game when you're, when you're our age versus if you are just graduating and you want to party and have fun and that's that stuff. I don't see how that starts up again, you know, legally anyway, um, anytime soon. But what's, what's it like in Melbourne? Well, it probably sounds like you guys are, are, are kind of yeah similar to where we are. Like we're probably you know a few weeks or a month or so away from cinemas and things like that too. But you know, like kind of back to normal. But people are you know it's it's certainly changed. I think you know the way people kind of interact and and things certainly for the time being. And you know, it'll be interesting to see if some of the social norms we had like handshake i think there's a reasonable chance that you know in large part perhaps they don't or, or other things change like you can sense people are still you know quite cautious around kind of keeping their distance at you know the shops and and things like that but in general we're you know kind of back to normal ish i think um 
you know, but I think, uh, you Andrew, I feel like the Australian response has been pretty good. Like there's a few little kind of false starts, but, um, you know, I don't feel like they then, you know, kind of, um, you know, thought twice about, you know, stepping up restrictions when they felt they needed to, even if it had only been whatever forty-eight hours since the since, since the the last kind of step up. So, like, I actually feel like the response has been pretty good. Do you think the professional landscape will ever go back to how it was in terms of the office as a central no. hub, or do you think that no. this is just a great opportunity to a minimize risk and b say, do we really need all of these really expensive pieces of real estate, you know, in, in the middle of town? Um, what do you think happens Look, there? I, I think um, I think offices will kind of stay will will stay there, but I think you know in in general, like this has just kind of proven that you know remote working in many cases, not all, but in many cases, is is absolutely fine, and it's just forced people to to, to come to grips with it. And I think it's what you know many, not all, but many people will actually want to do to you know kind of save on a commute and have better work life balance and things. And so I think that. You know, it's kind of been an opportunity for people to trial it and find find that it can actually work quite well. And I think that, you know, many people will see it as a new normal and organisations will need to get on board with it. I think offices will still exist and there'll be times when, you know, face-to-face is really super beneficial. But, you know, like we, um, the company I work for, we did a survey of some of our employees and about 50% of, of people, you know, kind of acknowledged that they were pretty keen to work from home, you know, two to three days a week. Um, going forward. So you know, I think that it's the new normal that people will want. Are you fatigued with the phrase, the new normal yet? No. I just feel like I need to Maybe hear it a it bit more, be. you know, I don't feel like it's being used enough and I just don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like there's enough people on LinkedIn telling me about it. I don't know. It still, still feels pretty abnormal. Without, without opening up a, a LinkedIn can of worms, you, you, your number one problem there, Dave, is that you're on LinkedIn. Come on. Yeah, I am. Well, it's because I don't have a job. That's why I'm on fucking yeah, LinkedIn. Well, that's prob- yeah, that's true. That's that that does. You're in an awkward position there because it's almost like going in to fix, you know, the problem inside the nuclear reactor. You've got to go in there. It's essential, but you're going to get radiation sickness. There's no avoiding it. You're going to be exposed. <laughs> I know. And you know the most depressing thing about basically- You don't have to read the hashtag, you know, accounting for accountants. Boy, Ranch, that's going to be pretty thinly veiled, that one. <laughs> But, but no, I'll tell you, the, the hey, worst no thing about going there, you don't know that. It could be a big audience within within a short time. You know, it's a popular show. I've been holding back gags, holding back gags, because I don't know who will eventually maybe hear this ever. But I have to finish this thought that I was just starting. The worst thing about, I mean, the worst thing about losing your job is losing your job. But the worst thing about then having to go on LinkedIn all the time because of that is all of us, I'm sure, get sort of unsolicited sort of faux friendly approaches on LinkedIn of people trying to sell you stuff because you, you sort of reach a certain point in your career and, and there's people who are getting really good at just trying to sell stuff one-on-one or, or not maybe not good, but getting really aggressive um, about just trying to sell to whoever they can. So the worst thing is people will send me a message on LinkedIn like, oh, cool, what's this about? And it's someone who's like, so do you think your company needs this and this and this? And I'm like, you didn't even fucking check that, that I don't have that job anymore. I don't have a job. So don't don't waste your time. Yeah. But no, my, yeah, my favourite one is your is your guy Andrew, the guy with the with the coffee cup with your name on it. Oh, that that who's now a really good friend of Sam's as well. I just that that was level of passive guy? aggressiveness. Same guy, same guy. No, it wasn't. Was it? It's the same dude. It's it's the exact same photo. He just pastes a new name shtick. on top of the. 
yeah, it's, it's just his stick. He, he literally photoshops the the name of whoever onto the other cup every time. The text was the same. Everything was the same. You can't do that stuff. I thought your guy was. I thought your guy was was a was a was like a, a, a dorky looking white boy with a beard. No. Well, there's 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 multiple there's multiple guys. So there was one guy who took a photo of himself in front of a, a laptop browsing our website. And you're like, okay, well that's unless he's gone to the trouble of photoshopping the website, and he's probably just taken that photo live. So that's fine. But the coffee cup guy is this other guy who, yeah, holds up a coffee with his name on it and, you know, XYZ person's name on it. And then writes there, Hey, I ordered you a flat latte and I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. Um, nor is it my particular choice of coffee order. So he's, he's going out on a real limb, but it is, it's mass marketing. It's, and it's not like Sam and I are in similar jobs or really industries. So he's going pretty broad, the kid. And, and look, I appreciate the ingenuity of that. And I think that's not really the problem. The problem is the implied friendliness from someone. And, and like, you're sort of pretending it's something that's not. He's just trying to hook you and sell you something. And he's just trying yes. to find a way of doing it and cut through, which, okay, I, I don't mind that. But the, the passive aggressive follow-up, is the thing that, that just bothers me so much. Like when you either say no to someone or ignore them, which you shouldn't ignore someone, but if someone's just hard selling and they don't hear back, that means you don't want to talk to them. And then they write you that classic email about, oh, you know, just following up. And it's like, I don't want you to follow up. If I wanted a follow up, I would have replied. Yeah. And that's the number one tactic that guys like Coffee Cup Guy lean on and they sort of it's sort of making you feel bad and the coffee cup trick is excellent because it it does make you feel like oh he's gone a bit of effort here like it's like when this dude hustled me in new york to buy his hip-hop comedy cd by writing his name by writing my name on it yes and and thereby ruining it for another customer so i felt bad so basically he he flatters me a bit tells me i'm cool (laughs) tells me why my girlfriend has a sexy nose which i was a bit uncomfortable about didn't know how to deal with that and he's like he's like so your name's david i'm like yeah he's like i'm gonna call you d banger and so he's doing that you know you're cool like i am routine (laughs) and then and then so what he does is he's like yeah cd's great you're gonna love it i'm like i haven't really committed to buying it yet but then he writes d banger on it he's like yo d banger stay heavy you know respect and then he puts it in my hand he's got fucking text all over it now and so you think well he's just ruined the piece of merchandise and it's got my name on it even though my name hadn't been debanger for very long at that point but it's still my name and then sure enough i get sucked in i pay him and then this other guy comes from out of nowhere he's like buy my cd but uh, no, nice reference to ps ranch did you guys watch the the community live table read thing i haven't but I've, actually I've, I haven't um, I've become a, a, a bit I was going to say obsessed, it's probably a bit strong, but you know, I've been re-watching a lot of stuff during quarantine um, and we've just about finished Parks and Recreation again and, my God, it is just exactly what I needed to watch. Uh, but I've just started doing Community again and it's great. I mean, that's not great news to anyone, but I think I've only watched it once. Um, and, and yeah, man, it up so well. Every character, just absolutely fabulous. And... Um, yeah, I'm finding Pierce even funnier this time around than I did before. It's it's just so good, and like it's fascinating too, just to see a show develop as well. Like it started off as a 
you know, reasonably straightforward kind of, you know, comedy show. Um, and then what, like six episodes in, they just start just experimenting with other things and it just, it just takes off so quick that yeah, really, really good. Yeah, no, it's ace. And watching Parks and Rec again is such a good idea because it's, I think, oh, I feel like man. Parks and Rec and 30 Rock for shows that were highly critically acclaimed still just, just because of the era, they were slightly before this, this massive streaming thing really took off that. I don't know if they've quite been at the forefront in the way that they should have been, even though everyone knew they were great shows and most people watched it. Because Parks and Rec is just brilliantly good. Although the first season's terrible. No, I, I, I didn't even watch the first season this time around. I, I just started from season two. But it's, it's, it's still so funny. The characters are so good. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's perhaps a little bit sad, but, like, it's, it's so incredibly relevant, like, in so many ways in so many episodes. But... We're, I think we're only a couple of episodes from the end now, but it is just, I, I would recommend it to anyone. It's the most consumable show I can remember watching in a long time. It's just amazing. It's so good. Speaking of um, Parks and Rec Ranch, and I rewatched, uh, I actually rewatched The West Wing uh, the last couple of weeks. The whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's a heavy, it's a heavy rewatch. Seven seasons, 22 Jeez. reps a season. Yeah, it's, it's strong, it's strong. But I do it. I do it mostly once a year because I because I like it so much. But um, I was going to say the crossover there is Rob Lowe, and uh, he was on the Conan uh, podcast this week, and yeah. it's good. It's very good. good. He tells a couple of great sort of uh, Hollywood type stories. Excellent. Yeah, I have to listen to that. So, what, what are you watching other than the West Wing, Andrew? You were watching oh, Better Call Saul. You said you're watching. Yeah, well, Ranch has kind of just said to me, "I have to, I have to, I have to," and so I kicked it off. Uh, uh when was it maybe tuesday night and so i just finished season two or well, izzy goes to bed usually around like say 9 30 right and so after then i'm just freewheeling and uh i haven't been sleeping i don't sleep a lot anyway and i haven't been sleeping an extra lot so i've been hitting the hay about you know 145 maybe two and so i can bang through a, a lot of episodes of whatever i want in you know five hours is that what you're doing when you're up late or are you, you sending pictures of you with coffee cups with your name and someone else's name on it on LinkedIn? Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm generally multitasking, but if, if the show's good enough, I'll, I'll sit and concentrate, but I can, I can watch something that on a rewatch and, um, and you tap away on emails or, or whatever to, to whatever time. Hey, fun, better call Saul. Yeah, actually really, really enjoying it. So I appreciate that. I, I, you know, it was on the list for a long time. I just hadn't, made made time for it and forced myself but i'm glad i did because it's um it's yeah it's excellent yeah and it's just it feels like one of those shows or certainly so far that just every season just kind of keeps getting better like it starts in a very very different place than where i think you kind of expect the whole show would given it's a show about Saul goodman like it starts off in this completely different place um and telling a really different story, but it just kind of builds every season closer to the Breaking Bad timeline as well. And just, you know, as is always the case with Vince Gilligan shows and Peter Gould, like just, you know, each character is so well drawn and there's consequences for everything that happens and everything kind of comes back around. And it's, um, it's, it's really, it's really great. I'm, I'm glad some season was just sublime as well. It's, um, it's, it's awesome. It's really good. Have you seen it, Dave? No, I never have. Um, I, I actually oh, didn't man. watch all of this. sounds crazy because it's the sort of thing I should watch, but I didn't watch all of Breaking Bad. I just never quite invested. And there was, 
there's just so much good content to stream that I know that's not an excuse because Breaking Bad is supposedly so good, but I just didn't get there. That I'm kind of going back through the, the the small number of iconic TV shows that I secretly have never watched. Um, so I watched all of The Sopranos because I'd never actually watched it. So um, mm. we we watched all of that and. God, my God, that was so, so good. I mean, it's obvious everyone's been saying it for so long, but it was like, I almost felt like it was like a sort of a Shakespearean tragedy. Like the the, the way they could get those characters developed and, and the, the way they could make that guy, this sort of monster who they, they didn't really like him as a character. Like they don't show him up as being a good guy, but also you somehow felt for him. Um, I just, I was in shock at how good it actually was. And, I also, the thing I almost loved most about it was the nostalgia of, what was the era of The Sopranos? Was it like late 90s through about 2002 or something? Yeah. That that era, watching that era on TV being reproduced so well, I mean, obviously we weren't, you know, dressing like those guys and living those lives, but, but the rest of it, like the way, like just even like the technology, like they have flip phones and, and you know, no one's, uh, and, and occasionally they'll use the internet and they'll show it for real. And it's just amazing how funny and stupid it is. Um, <laughs> it's just outstandingly good, but also like shows where it was pre Google and like, you couldn't just solve every problem by checking something on your phone. It's, um, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, I know that's not a device shows use because it would be the most boring show ever, but just the fact, you know, that now that, well, you could have just checked that on your phone. It's kind of cool to set something just before all of that became a thing yeah it's the that's it's as bad as you know as recent as you can make something and have it be of the time and not be affected by all the new stuff and the the wire is very much the same like they're still relying on you know wire taps of of things rather than just being able to just catch guys through their search history and stuff so yeah exactly it's um yeah it's 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 good and you know better call Saul, even though it's a you know, it's a new show last few years. It's, it's set backwards a bit. So, you know, they're, they're using flip phones and stuff in that and the internet's horseshit. And so it's, it's got a bit of that nostalgic sort of feel about it as well. Yeah. It's actually, um, same, uh, kind of dynamic as I guess made another show that you and I like a lot, Andrew, the Americans good as well. Like seeing, I mean, like spy stuff's hard work, so it's not—it's not this crazy thing to say. But my God, that seemed like hard work. Like you know, like they're putting tapes in stuff. They've got to go in there, like to put the tape in, and then come and come back and get the tape out another time to then be able to listen to it. It's just it was, that was that was an amazing show. Um, have you yeah. seen that one day? I, I saw I saw that the first season. That was the husband wife um, Russian spy thing, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I did think they leaned a bit heavily on the seduce, like be sexy and seduce the lonely American person and get secrets out of them bit. I just felt like in the first season, they just constantly did that. Well, how do you, how do, you do it, Dave? You just, well, you just take them well, out for dinner. Yeah, not see. that way. It doesn't fucking work to make sexy eyes at people if you're me. So, you know, I've got, I've got to use got to use other methods, Andrew. Not, yeah, not, deep, not deep, deep banger. Deep banger got to get his hose. <laughs> Yeah, that was terrible. I still have that CD somewhere, and it really was hip hop comedy. Like the guy was not kidding. It was it was long. Like it was a really fucking long set. Was this on Was this on Venice Beach? Is this where this happened? Yeah, 
No, it happened a second time. This was in New York. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh no! I, I thought it. I thought it happened on Venice Beach. No, that well. did happen. Yeah, no, I used to get hustled once per holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, good, good call. You got to keep up your ratios. That's for sure. The worst time I got hustled was in Johannesburg because I was not ready for that at all. Because it was a really sophisticated con. These guys at the airport made their own uniforms and name badges and acted like like official airport baggage carrier dudes and so you get off the oh plane God. your bags there and this guy just takes all your bags no and you're like for that he just takes all your bags but well, this was 2004 <laughs> right so the guy just takes your bags and you're like oh this is cool he had a uniform and they they put the logo on it and he takes you this away was, this was this was and anyway so <laughs> these guys look legit and there's lots of them nobody's here's the thing nobody's stopping them from taking people's bags like wouldn't you as airport security get those guys out and say stop hustling people but no they didn't so it's all looking okay He's i think got my a, dad told about that the first time i ever went overseas like he told you about well it before the fast, the fast holiday like no one no one falls for that well i did, did they? And, yeah and so they basically just drive your bags down a dead end alley and then stop and they look at you and they're like, do you want your bag back? <laughs> and then you're like, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then you say, yes, like, well, there's a fee associated with that. And the other trick to that is that you've just gotten off the plane. And back then you're still using cash for everything. So you've only got large notes because you haven't bought anything. You've just been to the ATM and you've got out, you know, larger notes. So you're going to pay them more than you would have because you've only got big notes. So yeah, that was that one. No, go get well, the most. You most have to you have to hand them over a traveler's check for a thousand US. Sounds like the sort of thing that sounds like the sort of thing that only you and Reds and Zeb Woodhatch would probably fall for. I think. Zeb, yeah, real guy with a, with that name. Imagine it. No, no, no. We're, we're using fake names, and that's as good as any. So oh, his real fine. name is Chris Jones. The um, yeah. <laughs> that's just his pseudonym. <laughs> Well, the, 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 I got hustled in the Caribbean, but it actually worked out well because this guy, we're on a tourist boat and he's like, hey, you guys married? I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't talk to him, but all right, I'll say, I'll say yes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're married. He's like, we're sort of just, just after a hundred like, Really? He's like, you got kids? He's like, no. Nah. like, are you going to, and, and at that point we were starting to try to have kids. He's like, do you want kids? I'm like, well, and at this point I should have shut it down, right? And he shouldn't be talking to the guy. And he says, you're trying to have kids? That's great. I've got something that can help. And I'm like, this is going in a bad direction. And so, and then he, and then he says nothing. And we drive out into the, into, um, you know, kind of to go snorkeling or whatever. And then after a while, he looks back at me. He's like, remember that thing I said before? I, I'll, I'll do it for you now. I'm like, okay. And everyone else on the boat starting to think like they paid attention and like what's going on. So the guy kind of skin dives all the way down to the bottom of the, the, ocean which i guess is like i don't know eight meters deep or something like you can you can dive down there with just a snorkel basically comes back up with a conch shell or a conch shell you know those giant things that that you listen to and you can hear the sea yes yes and it's like you the guy who wants to have kids and i'm like yeah it's like there's a thing in this animal and in 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 this part of the caribbean there's basically nothing good to eat other than conch so we ended up eating this these conch things every day it just tastes like calamari and he's like there's this there's a part of the conch and if you eat it, it makes you like super virile and you'll definitely conceive and then you'll have babies. And then everyone else, I'm like, that sounds like, that doesn't sound good. And everyone else is like, oh, cool, do it. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, it's the, co- it's the conch penis, isn't it? And the guy's like, oh, it doesn't matter which part it is. <laughs> 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 it's, just a, it's just a part of the animal. 
And so right. it gets- it's just a part. It's just a oh, rock no. hard, you know, part with tiny <laughs> balls at the bottom of it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's just a part. Could be anything, right? Don't worry about it. So then he gets this <laughs> this thing, which is basically a giant snail, I guess is what a conch actually is. And it's still alive. He gets out this big knife and he cuts a piece off it while it's still alive. And then he kills it. So he didn't he didn't really torture it. But, he, you know, while he cuts this piece off, it's not dead yet. And, yeah, pretty sure it was the penis. And then I look around, I'm holding it in my hand. I'm like, oh, fuck, everyone's invested in this now. I've got to do it. So I eat half of it. And then I make my wife eat the other half because he said that was the way you're supposed to do it. But it worked. We, we conceived straight away. And it, it was because of the conch penis. In front of everyone. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember at Ranch when we chased some gypsies in Rome who stole Lawson's wallet and got it back yes, off them? I do. I do. That was brave That's... and possibly stupid, but I had another thing like that happen in Barcelona. I was working for Nokia and it was the, it was like the ultimate sign that Nokia was was like ice cold because this dude stole one of our phones while we were at the ATM or something. And the guy had the phone with him as like part of the demo that we were running at the trade show. And he really needed that exact phone because it had special software on it that he was going to demo. He's like, fucking hell, my whole job, my whole purpose of being here comes down to being able to run that demo on that phone. I'm fucked. I really need it. It's like, okay, well, there's a small chance we'll find the guy and let's let's try. And we did, just like in Rome when we found the gypsies. We find the guy. We go up to him like, hey, dude, you stole the guy's phone. We really need it. It's it's for this trade show, and it, it, we have to have it. And the guy's like, "No, nah, I don't know what you're talking about." And you go through that back and forth of the guy saying, "Don't know what you're talking about." And then at one point, someone's like, "Look, mate, I know you've got it. It's a black Nokia." And the guy's like, "Ah, oh, fuck, it's a Nokia." And then he gives it back because he didn't want it. <laughs> well, you you'll find. Remember the Nokia N-Gage? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, <laughs> you play games well, on it. The- my my ranch, my favorite LinkedIn buddy, um, hashtag entrepreneur, mm-hmm. hashtag killing it mm-hmm. guy. Um, he 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 named his company after that phone. I, I'm sure not intentionally. Oh, I thought I recognized it when you said it. Yeah, was it like yeah, ironic, so, or you just didn't know that? No, that no, no. It was just, and this is what I don't understand: people who they name companies after things that already exist. And a well-known thing. So if someone tries to search for you, they're just going to find that shit Nokia phone. It's just a, an awful marketing mistake, both by Nokia and by this guy. <laughs> <laughs>